0: Please be seated. Thank you, Quinn. Are the kids going into the kids' room? All right. Fantastic. So, this morning, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to walk right through this gospel lesson today, okay? Uh, just to see what it has to say. So it's going to be a little bit of a Bible study. So if you've got your Bibles, get them out. If you don't, then you can just read along on that service sheet, uh, which, is, which is right there in front of you. This is the 10th chapter of Mark, starting at verse 46. So let's pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be present with us right now in this, in this time. That you would speak to us through the words of this gospel. That you would touch our hearts and cause us to be remade, to be made whole. And if we're on the outside, to be drawn in, into your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, look at the very first thing that this gospel says. Jesus and his disciples came to Jericho. So they came to Jericho. What's going on at this point in the history of salvation? Okay, well, let me tell you, right now, Galilee, the place where so much of Jesus' ministry has taken place, is in his past. All those miracles, all the parables, all the teaching ministry that have been done there is now in his past, and he has set his face to Jerusalem, the place where he is going to be crucified. Galilee is in his past, Jerusalem is in his future. He's going to climb up onto a Roman cross and offer Himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. That's what's going on. That's where we are in this story. Jesus has been all over the countryside. He's been to Samaria. Samaria. He's been to Jericho. He's been to Capernaum. He has been preaching and teaching and healing, and He's become quite a well-known figure. He has done mighty things, and people know this. People know who He is. But now he's headed towards Jerusalem, and his teaching ministry is coming to a close. So that's where we are. We're at that point in this story. Jericho is 15 miles from Jerusalem, uh, about a day's journey. There are two ways to get to Jerusalem. From Galilee, you can either go uh, through Samaria to the west or through Jericho to the east. And most Jews, wanting to avoid hanging out with the Samarians, getting contaminated by them, would go through Jericho. And so um, the Jericho Road was a well-traveled road. Just try to imagine, though, what must be on Jesus' heart, what must be in his heart and his mind as he's walking toward Jerusalem, feeling the weight of the world's sins on his shoulders, just a day away from from Jerusalem, just a day's journey from the place where he will be crucified. All right, look back at the text. As Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. He was begging. Why was Jesus in the midst of a large crowd as he passed through Jericho? Well, it's because Passover is coming. And so the streets are going to be filled with pilgrims making their way to Jerusalem. You know, if, if you were a, a Jewish male and you lived within a few days' journeys of Jerusalem, you were expected to go to Passover. And so the, the place is just packed with people passing through to go to Passover in Jerusalem. And then there's Bartimaeus, this blind beggar, and he's sitting beside the road, and uh, and and if there's ever a good time to be a beggar in, Jer- in Jericho, now's the time. With tons of people just packed, trying to make it to Jerusalem. And it was kind of expected that if you were a good Jew, you were kind to beggars, and you would give money to them. But especially if you're a good Jew, and you were on your way to celebrate Passover, this is the time you don't want to ignore somebody in need. And so, Bartimaeus is likely making some money here. He's got his cloak spread out in front of him to catch the coins as people toss them his way. And, um, And, you know, his cloak was one of his only possessions. It served as a shelter at night, but it also served as that thing that would collect the money as people would pass it to him. And what does he do when he hears that Jesus is passing by? Well, look what it says next. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, we don't know how he knew it was Jesus, and we don't know how he knew that Jesus could help him. I mean, maybe, maybe he had heard that uh, there was a blind man that had been healed uh, a few chapters ago in Bethsaida. Maybe he was reading along in the gospel with us, and he just kind of knew this. All right, that was a joke, because he was not reading along in the gospel. Um, but maybe he had heard. Maybe he had heard that this man, Jesus, has healed blind people before, you know? And so he, maybe he wanted to be healed too. But here's what we do know. He had this belief in his mind that Jesus, this man that everyone was talking about, who had done miracles all over the countryside, that this Jesus could do something for him. And so when he finds out that Jesus is passing by, passing on the road in front of him. He cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And just think about this. Think about this man's theology. His theology is all wrong about some things. But it's all right about one of the most important things. What's this theology wrong about? Well, we, we, can, we can tell that when he, when he cries out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David is a title uh, for a, a political Messiah. A Messiah who was going to come in and, uh, and just show the Romans what's up wipe them out and set up a new political kingdom in jerusalem and all the world would come streaming there would never be a kingdom like this kingdom it was going to be a great earthly kingdom and a lot of people thought that jesus might be this kind of messiah i think that's why a lot of people were walking with him because they thought hey this remember last week i mean james and john thought that jesus was going to be that kind of messiah and so they wanted to sit with him in his glory on on thrones next to him so this is what people are thinking And here's what, this is probably what Bartimaeus is thinking. Son of David, you amazing Messiah, you have mercy on me. Okay, but that's why why he addressed him like that. He believes that he's going to be that kind of Messiah, but but he was wrong about that. His theology was messed up at that point. But he did have something right. He had the most important thing right. He had to have mercy on me. Who did he believe could meet his needs? Who did he believe could change his life forever? And it was Jesus. That's what he believed. I mean, Bartimaeus knew what his needs were. He was blind. He was a beggar. And to be a blind person in that culture was to be someone who was really not a whole person. People assumed that he was blind because he was a sinner and that God was kind of getting him for being the sinner that he was. And maybe he even believed that he was being punished somehow by God. But see, he he knew that this man, if any man could heal him, this man, Jesus, was the one who could meet his needs. Is that where you are in your faith today? Are you absolutely convinced that Jesus is the one who can meet your needs? Or are you still thinking that perhaps... There are some other things that could meet them. Bartimaeus was convinced that in Jesus, all of his needs could be met. And so he cried out to him for mercy. And look what happens next. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet. And who were these people that told him to be quiet? What was his disciples? It was the people that were walking with him to Jerusalem. It was the people who were traveling with Jesus. And why did they tell him to be quiet? Well, for a couple of reasons. One, he was making a whole lot of noise. And so it's was like, be quiet. Shh. Like you might say to a kid. Somebody that doesn't really matter. You don't have much to offer. You're blind, you're a sinner. Just, just hush. But probably the most likely reason is this. As teachers would walk along the road with their disciples... Uh, they didn't waste their time. They, they were teaching, you know. And so Jesus might have been telling them a parable, might have been, you know, explaining some Old Testament passages, or who knows what. But hanging around with Jesus must have been so amazing that you didn't want anything else to bother that situation. And so, here's this obnoxious, loud, blind man, and he just won't leave us alone. So, shut it. Stop bothering us. But look at who's telling this man to be quiet. These are the followers of Jesus. And what are you? I mean, what are we here gathered in this place? Are we followers of Jesus? And is there a danger for us that, 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 this, that this activity, that this sort of behavior might be our behavior at some points? That, that people might want to come near to Jesus, but we might want to hush them up? You know, that I think there might be a danger for us there. That we, as Jesus' followers might behave like his followers in this gospel. And when people are crying out for mercy, we might want to just kind of marginalize them, leave them on the side, let them be quiet so that they don't bother us. Is that a danger for us? Maybe it is. But here's the thing about Bartimaeus. Because he knew that the chance of a lifetime was crossing right in front of him. I mean, he didn't know that Jesus was the Son of God or anything else. He just knew that this is the one who can meet my needs. He just knew that this is the one who can heal me. This person right here is the the one person of all people that I need. And he's right here, and I'm not going to let his followers get in the way. And so he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. And I imagine that he's got tears streaming down his face, that he's desperate, that he's crying out, this is my chance. Don't stand in my way. This is my chance for wholeness and healing. You don't understand. Please have mercy on me. He's crying out with all his heart. And then we come to two of the most staggering words in all of Scripture to me. This is verse 49. Look what it says. It says, Jesus stopped. Is that not staggering to you? I mean, here's a man who's beginning, at least at this point, is beginning to feel the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's got a lot on his mind. He's got a lot he's doing. He's about to be nailed to a cross for the sins of the whole world. He's got a lot going on right now. But because this man believes that Jesus can help him, because this man is begging for mercy, Jesus stops. And that's just staggering to me. And Jesus said, call him, call him here. And so they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you. And finally, the followers of Jesus are doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're they're helping people to get into connection with Jesus. They're calling people into relationship with him rather than trying to keep him out of relationship. And in verse 30, I'm sorry, verse 50, Jesus, I mean, the, the blind man throws off his cloak And he sprang up and came to Jesus. And his cloak was his shelter at night. It was his way of collecting money in the day. His cloak was everything to him, but he threw it off and he ran to Jesus. Do you remember the rich young ruler from a few weeks ago? He had many possessions and he couldn't give them up. He couldn't let go of his money or his possessions to follow Jesus. But consider Bartimaeus. He throws his whole life aside. And he comes to Jesus. He does not hesitate because he knows that what Jesus can do for him is far more valuable than worldly riches. So he throws his cloak aside. And in verse 51, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And that's exactly what he asked James and John last week. James and John, you remember, they, they came to Jesus and they said, hey, we want you to do whatever we ask you to do for us. Just say yes now. We're going to, it doesn't matter what we ask. Just, just say yes. And it's going to be cool. And if you're a parent or you ever, if you've ever been a parent, you know that when your kids just like, don't really ask me what I'm, what I'm wanting. Just, just say yes now, dad, if it's okay. We want you to just say yes. And when my kids have ever said something like that, the answer is already no in my mind and in my heart, right? (laughs) But Jesus just says, well, he, he plays along, I guess. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And you know know what they asked for? They asked for the two most important spots in Jesus' kingdom. That's all. Just honor and glory and power and prestige in your kingdom. That's all we want. We want to be number one, and number two in your kingdom, right after you, Jesus. Just say yes, okay? Just say yes. And what does Bartimaeus want? He just wants mercy. His disciples want glory, but this man wants mercy. Rabbi, my teacher, let me see again. I want to be a whole person. I want you to make me whole. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Or your faith has saved you today. And immediately he regained his sight and followed Jesus on the way. What was the first thing that Bartimaeus saw? What was the first thing that he saw. First thing he saw was Jesus. Is that, is that amazing? What a gift that was. The first thing he ever saw was his Savior. Can you imagine if the first thing that you ever saw in your life was the eyes of your Savior? Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? Just to be able to open your eyes for the first time, and there he is, the man who had time for you. The man who stopped what he was doing, which was just saving the world. He stopped for you. What an amazing thing. And then Bartimaeus, who had been sitting beside the road with life and pilgrims passing him him by, went from being a bystander to someone who followed Jesus on the way. He followed him on the road. Not only had he regained his sight, but he had been given a whole new life. And he chose to spend that life following his Savior. Now, I don't know who you are in this story today. I don't know whether you you see yourself as one of Jesus' followers or maybe you feel more like Bartimaeus, like you're, you're on the side of the road and life has been passing you by. But if you're one of the followers of Jesus, then the warning is this. Sometimes we grow too content to just be near Jesus that we leave people out of fellowship with him. But we have to be a people who bring those who are on the outside in. We have to be. That's got to be our heart. That's got to be who we are as followers of Jesus. If we are following Jesus, part of his close fellowship, walking with him where he goes, drawing near to him and hearing his voice, then we've got to be about bringing people in. We've got to be looking for the people who were on the side and calling them in before Jesus says, call them! We don't want want to have have Jesus get in our face and say, call him over here. We want to already be looking. We've got to be calling them ourselves. Y'all come on in. I mean, everybody knows somebody. Everybody here knows someone out there who needs Jesus. Everybody in this room knows someone who needs a touch from him, for whom Jesus would literally change their life forever. You know people like that. And so who is that person in your life? Think about that person and commit to pray for that person. And pray for an opportunity to invite that person into a relationship with Jesus. Just to come and see. Just to come and meet him. We need to be, bringing, we need to be praying for them and then going to get them and bringing them in. Just don't let them sit on the outside. That's for the followers. What, what, what if people are feeling more like Bartimaeus? What if you're feeling more like Bartimaeus? Maybe you feel like a follower, but sometimes it feels like, you know, it's all just passing you by. Or maybe you're not really a follower. Maybe you're on the outside and you're looking in just to kind of see what it's like on the inside. If that's you, then you know what? It's not your job to have it all figured out right now. It's not your job to have everything right about Jesus or to have your theology right. Bartimaeus was wrong about some things. But all you do need to know is that Jesus is the only one you need. You can figure all that theology stuff out later. So if you're on the outside, I ask you to come in and to trust him. Give Jesus a chance to bring healing and wholeness into your life. Give him a chance to meet your needs like no one else can. See, I think most of us are confused about what we need in our life. I think most of us believe that we need to have the right relationship or the right job or the right friendships or the right accomplishments, the right connections. We need to buy the right house or live in the right neighborhood or marry the right husband or marry the right wife or go to the right church. I think most of us believe that all of that stuff is going to make our lives so much better. But Bartimaeus knew better. He didn't need any of that other stuff. He just needed the right Savior. And it's the same with us. We don't need any of that other right stuff. We just need the right Savior. We need Jesus. He's the one and the only one who can make us whole. And if you don't think that he'll stop what he's doing for you, if you think he's too important or too busy, then you're wrong. You're just absolutely wrong. He's not too busy to stop for you because you're worth it to him just like Bartimaeus and I think that is incredibly good news incredibly good news today please stand with me and let's affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed